Hello and welcome to episode 222 of SMARTS, which as you know stands for Show Matter Antimatter Resolution Trump Suspicions. Ooh. Ooh. I am your host, Julia Gulia of Internet Fame, Dash Podcaster, and with me as always is Rudiger Q Podcaster, aka Trevor. Hi. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Pretty good. You got news for us? I do have news. Take it away. Okay, so we have news this week. Okay. So some is the news you- that there's news? No. Oh. Okay, that's continue. Not, that's not newsworthy. Mm. Um, so the news is, some of this you know already, so the CW's Superman and Lois show has been ordered straight to series. Squee! So they won't even bother doing a pilot for it. They're going to go straight to series, and it'll presumably debut this fall. Yay! So that's actually happening. Can't we've, wait. You know, we've talked about it before, what we think it's going to be about, and how we're sort of lukewarm on the name. Yeah. Which I guess we're, n- we're now stuck with, unless they change it at the last minute. But that's exciting that that's happening, and definitely the... Uh, the crisis stuff we talk about later did a little bit to set up the, mm-hmm. the premise of that. So we'll talk to that, talk about that when we get there. Um, so this was a surprise to pretty much everyone. So as part of like, I guess, an investor meeting or something, um, the someone, some big wig at Warner Media talked more about the HBO Max streaming service. And we've talked before about how they're going to have this Strange Adventures series and a Green Lantern live action series. Ooh, awesome. Um, we knew that already. Yeah. They, they give, they, they, Give a bit more detail on that. They said it's going to feature the origins of not one but two Earth-based Green Lanterns, oh. and will feature Sinestro. So, if I had to guess, Hal I would Jordan say and Kyle Rayner. No, I don't think they're going to go with two white guys. I think they're going to. Oh. I think they're going to have Hal Jordan and John Stewart. Nice, because they they both have kind of like a military background. So I feel like that. Plus, you've got you know a bit more mm-hmm. diversity there, and obviously yes. they've they've had more interactions in the comics than say Hal and Kyle did, because um, they didn't really overlap as much until recently so they could have them together mm-hmm. in the show and have them sort of go through training together or i guess they could have one be like the veteran but this is an origin story for both of them so maybe you'll sort of have sinestro training them both hmm. instead of just hal and yeah, then yeah. have them sort of discover his treachery and so on um that'd be my guess it really sounds similar to what i would expect that jeff john's green lantern Corps movie would be about though so i don't know how this will differentiate from that but Right. You know, it sounds like a very similar take if it's going to be an origin story. It would seem weird that we're getting an origin story on TV and one in the movies only a couple of years apart, but who knows. Um, But they also announced a new project that we didn't know about. So James Wan, director of Aquaman, is going to be executive producing an Aquaman cartoon for HBO Max called Aquaman King of Atlantis. Uh And it will be sort of a year one style story uh, starring Aquaman who seemingly coming off of the events of the movie or similar events has just claimed the throne of Atlantis and mm-hmm. will feature him sort of getting used to the role and having adventures as the newly crowned king of Atlantis with Mira and Volko as his supporting cast. Yeah. Now, the fact that James Wan is involved and the fact that that's the premise certainly makes it sound like it's going to be uh, like a direct follow-up to the movie, which would raise the question of whether they're going to try to get some of the cast from the movie to be in this. I mean, it certainly wouldn't be... You used to see this kind of stuff a lot, right? There was a Men in Black cartoon yeah. that sort of followed the events of the movie, but but used yeah, you know, yeah. more standard voice actors as opposed to getting Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. It was all a rage. You don't really see it as much anymore. Um, and of course, James Wan is directing an Aquaman 2 movie. So will this sort of serve to bridge the gap or will it be completely its own thing that's mm-hmm. just sort of using the events of the first movie, assuming that a bunch of kids have seen as it as like a too. rough launching off point, And then the movie will not have anything to do. Aquaman 2 will have nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I would expect that the designs, like particularly of yeah. the main characters, will yeah. probably borrow a lot from the movie. 
Um, and if they don't get the actress in the movie, if they instead get like sound alikes, I imagine that they'll be performing in a similar fashion. Like I imagine the characterization of Aquaman will be very similar. Yeah. Um, but it remains to be seen whether this is actually in continuity or not with the other stuff. That would be sort of odd if it, if it were, but it would be kind of cool. Because certainly cool. they've got a lot of ground they could cover there. And the movie Aquaman 2 will presumably have a little bit of a time jump I wouldn't expect it to, you know given that it's going to be like three four years in between the movies I wouldn't expect it to pick up right after the first one so you could use this to fill in some of the events and then he can be a more seasoned king in the second movie yes when some new threat arises or whatever um, yeah so we'll have to wait and see what they do with that but that's, that's cool. presumably I mean probably more than a year away at this point because animation the lead time on animation is so long mm-hmm. um, we also learned from an interview with uh, switching over to Star Trek stuff now for the time being we also learned from an interview with Alex Kurtzman on the eve of the launch of Star Trek Picard that in addition to the shows we know about obviously Discovery Star Trek Picard the upcoming Lower Decks the still in development Section 31 show with mm-hmm. Michelle Yeoh and the as yet unnamed uh, other cartoon on Nickelodeon, as well as presumably more short tracks in the offing, that there are at least two more live action projects in active development. Mm -hmm. So is one of these the Starfleet Academy series that keeps getting rumored? And if so, what is the other one? Is the other one, you know, dare we dream for that uh, enterprise under the command of Captain Pike uh, Mm -hmm. show? I, I, for some reason, when I read this, that didn't jump out at me. But, you know, reading other stuff afterwards, I, I mean, I have to think. I would be actually, you know, if they're developing two more shows, I would be very surprised if one of them wasn't a Pike show. Because they, they know the fan interest is there. They want to keep all the shows different, right? Discovery's now in the far future. Picard's in the 24th century. Yep. The Section 31 thing is obviously going to be very different. The Lower Decks thing is animated and it's a comedy. So it's going to be very different. Mm-hmm. They've established the world of this pre-Kirk you know, setting yep. through the first two seasons of Discovery. So there's plot threads there, like with the Klingons, you know, yep. and things like that. The fallout from season two of Discovery, that's sort of ripe for continued exploration. Yep. And you've got this cast right there, you know, with Anson Mount, Ethan Peck, and Rebecca Romaine. It it's practically writes itself. Yeah. So if they are, I, th- I would think the only reason not to do it is if they're like full up on shows, if they don't want to flood the market. Yeah. Um, but if they are developing two more shows, I'd be very surprised if one of them wasn't a Pike show. I don't know what you call it. Like we've talked about before, do you call it Star Trek Pike? Mm-hmm. But that's, is, is that too close to Star Trek Picard? <laughs> <laughs> you can't call it Enterprise because they've done that one already, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know what they would call it, but obviously that's a solvable problem. And he said, you know, are we running the risk of doing too many shows? Maybe, but I feel like so long as we're careful that each one not just adheres to like the tenets of Star Trek, but has its own voice and is distinct in the way that, you know, we just talked about how all the shows that we currently know about are definitely distinct, right. either in setting or in tone or in, you know, be it animation versus live action or, or short versus long form, et cetera, et cetera, that, you know, the market will obviously tell them when they're, you know, when they're flooding it. Mm-hmm. Um, but up to that point, they feel like if the, if the demand is there and there's interesting stories and they're putting different people in charge of the different shows, so each one will have its own unique voice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Michelle Paradise's Discovery Season 3 will be very different than Michael Chabon's Picard. Right. With Patrick Stewart obviously doing a lot of contributions there too. So each, if each one has its own voice, then mm-hmm. why not? You yep. know, like yep. there's, you could point to... You know, maybe Star Wars has not done the best job of it, but Marvel, where you've got many TV shows and three, four movies a year and all this other stuff. And nobody says there's, well, some pe- some people say there's too much Marvel stuff, but yep. most people I think are just kind of cranks. So <laughs> it's certainly the fact that everything is still making a lot of money seems to indicate that the continued appetite is there. And I think that there's, you know, there's a similar 
you know, groundswell of support for Star Trek and, and just built up fan anticipation that I feel like they're not... Like, once you're at the point where you're getting like, do we want two or three new Star Trek episodes per week? I mean, that sounds great right now, but it might you might burn out on it. But up, up, till, up to and including the point at which we're getting a new episode of something each week, that doesn't sound like too much to me, you know? Yeah. And if each season is only going to be 10 or 12 episodes long, yeah. that means you would need like five, six, seven shows in order to have something every week. So up to the point where you get there, like I feel like there's still there's still room for more projects so long as they're diverse yeah, enough. Exactly. Um, and then a little bit of DC news. We mentioned before that uh, uh, Bendis has said that he's going to be doing with Alex Maleev, the artist, the 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 event Leviathan series together. That they're going to be doing more follow up series to that um, to continue the plot thread of Leviathan. In addition to having him show up, he just showed up in Bendis's most recent issue of Action Comics, for instance. Um, but following the main plot thread, he'll, they'll be doing more series. And they announced this week what the first one is going to be. It's going to be called Event Leviathan Checkmate. And it's going to feature like a new checkmate trying to put itself together to oppose Leviathan. And characters like Lois Lane and Green Arrow mm-hmm. um, will be featured in that. And, you know, following up and presumably Manhunter, I, w- I would imagine as well, given her prominent role at the end of the last series, will follow on from that. Um so we know what the what that's going to be. So that's mm-hmm. going to debut in April, I think. So mm-hmm. we'll get more continuation of, of those events. That's awesome. And that's it for our news. That's a lot of good news. So Yay. what was your comic of the week? So this week I picked the final issue of Freedom Fighters because it was so great and it was satisfying and it was <sighs> mm, cathartic. It was cathartic. Um, I really don't have that much to say. I know for you it was a little bit... Um, silly because it's it did jump around i know what you mean when you said it, it sort of jumped from well they're fighting they blow up a mountain and they crush a nuclear bomb because i don't know because damaging the wiring i guess well, and I they prevent it from going that. off but then that generates britannia generates the icon of marseille uh, in france generates um who else who, um the other there were there was there a were golem several, there was a golem yeah there was a golem and, and like, freeing the Jews and so on, mm-hmm. you know. But I, I, I would have gone, like, the analogy that jumps to mind is I would have gone more Star Wars and less Independence Day. Hmm. Like, the thing with Independence Day where the Americans do all the work and then you have seen, you have a montage at the end of all the other countries. Like, yeah, yeah we're here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I would have gone, like, you don't need to show, oh, the whole world is rising up against the Nazis all at once and uh, cuts to a couple months later and the Nazis are seemingly all gone now. Like, yeah. you didn't need that. You could have done, like, A New Hope. Where they su- where they they strike a major blow to the empire, but the fight still continues, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so they could have taken out the the Hitler line, yeah. and destroyed one of their major strongholds, and the people are starting to rise up. But you know, the fighting continues. That, that, the conflict in, in isn't the over term, overnight. In yeah. the short term, what often happens when that happens in a regime is that they start to clamp down even harder. It's not that they just give up. They right. they double down on their policies because they're trying to reexert control, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then you get the empire strikes back. So I would have liked to have seen that, but. He, you know, Venditti wanted to give the story an ending, um, but I don't think you needed to do that. Like, who's to say you're not going to get a chance to do a sequel series mm-hmm. a year down the line or pay off the events of this? Like I said, he's taking over Justice League from Scott Snyder, and certainly there's a lot of precedent going back decades of the Justice League, you know, basically once a year, <laughs> crossing over with the team from another Earth. Um, so you could do, like, a follow-on to this. Yeah. You know, like a, a Crisis on Earth X. Yep. Um and you could have them visit that Earth and see what's happened, and have our the Freedom Fighter characters cross over into into New Earth. Um, 
I don't so know. You, I feel like I I feel like it's it's good for me that that ended because I wanted those characters to have peace, and so seeing that really, like I said, was cathartic. It just felt and a little just, too pat nice. for me. Like when a not mm, when a, when an oppressive regime has ruled the world for three quarters of a century, the yeah. idea that anything, no matter how dramatic, could overthrow them in a matter of weeks mm-hmm. seems overly simplistic maybe so it, it just to me you didn't need that like you could have cut out that that double page spread entirely they they strike this decisive blow and then a few months later black condor tracks down hitler the third and and does away with him mm-hmm. and then you get like the big actiony climax and the sort of more subdued um emotional payoff of having you know hitler get get what's coming to him you didn't need the whole thing of oh it turns out everybody's fine everywhere like to me you didn't need that but i agree it was still a very strong ending and it was definitely a really great series yeah, uh, to, uh, to me i think this is my favorite thing i've read from Venditti, and we we liked his green lantern core run a lot um well i guess i guess um hawkman has continually been one of your favorites particularly that yes. first year um that first whole storyline with the Deathbringers and everything um, yeah that was so great yeah but i'd say would you say that this is your favorite thing from him above like the the Does it first, Trump few, Hawkman? Hmm. first few years of Rebirth era Green Lantern Corps and the first year of Hawkman. Yeah, I think and, I have to say, yeah. It's just so good. It was insightful. It was painful. It was uh, poignant. It was uplifting. It was depressing. It was perfect. It was great. Yeah, really good. <laughs> The only, my only my only thing aside from that slight qualm with the ending is it's too bad that Eddie Barrows, who is a fantastic artist, couldn't do the complete art for every issue. Oh, He's not yeah. the fastest artist. I was amazed he did as much as he did. I think he did like um, eight or nine issues out of the 12 and maybe a few pages in some of the others. But basically, like I would say 20 or 25 percent of it was done by some other artists, really good artists like Bruno Redondo, who, mm-hmm. who was fantastic. He did a lot of injustice with Tom Taylor and now he's doing Suicide Squad with Tom Taylor. Mm. Um, and their styles mesh fairly well. Um, but I always like it, especially when it's a complete 12 issue thing like Mr. Miracle. If it's or done whatever. by the same artist, yeah, the same if, writer. Yeah. You know, if Mr. Miracle hadn't had every page oh, done by Mitch Jarrods, then it would have it would have been a lesser work, wow. you know. Yeah. If yeah. they were just reading some random page of this is an unfair analogy, but reading some random page of Kingdom Come and you come to some random page and it's not Alex Ross anymore, <laughs> it, you know, it takes you out of the story. And this is yeah. this is not nearly as jarring as that. But it's always a little too bad when you don't have the same consistency all the way through. It's just sometimes. You know, when you're when you're Jeff Johns and Gary Frank doing Doomsday Clock, yeah. you can say, no, every page is going to be done by Gary Frank, even if we're going to be a year late. But when you're doing a Freedom Fighters miniseries, you don't quite have the same yeah. clout. And yeah. so, you you know, if a fill-in is what takes me deadlines, you're going to get a fill-in. It's going to be editorially mandated and you can't <laughs> you can't do anything about it, you know. Right, right. But to me, it wasn't as bad as what, – what I really hate is when you have a single issue that has like five different artists. If you have like two issues here or there that are done by similar artists, but each issue is complete in and of itself, that's – most of the way there, but still, it bothers me a little bit, especially when it's like a finite thing like this. You want the whole thing. Like when he did um, Hawkman with the first year, every issue, every page was done by Brian Hitch, and yeah. I feel like that really helps. Anyway. What did um, you pick? So I picked the second issue of The Question, The Deaths of Vic Sage, nice. which is a really interesting so really interesting black label um, series, sort of exercise, square bound, you know, black label thing for, for adult readers. Um very, uh, really similar to, really owes a lot to, and it's, you know, dedicated to Denny O'Neill and uh, Dennis Cowan's question run from, I think, the late 80s or early 90s, which established the, basically all the, all the, the setting in these characters of Tot, his mentor, Hub City being like the worst place in the DC universe, worse than Gotham, worse than Bloodhaven, 
You know, like Gotham, you can look at and say, oh, there's a lot of crime. Right. But like the buildings aren't collapsing. You know, you don't have riots in the streets every other week. You know, there's not. The, 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 the unemployment yeah. and poverty rates aren't through the roof. Like you at least have a certain amount of infrastructure and affluence, even if there's disparity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's crime. But Hub City is just a toilet, basically. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be the worst place in the DC universe. And and um, Myra, his sort of on again, off again love, who, you know, so, uh, different versions is either like um, married to the mayor or in this version, she's the sister to the mayor. And she sort of gets pulled into that whole web of things. And, and you know, he suffers this. In the old comics, he suffers this decisive defeat at the hands of Lady Shiva, and he goes and tracks down Richard Dragon, the best martial artist in the DC universe, and gets him to train him, and comes back with this whole, like, Zen philosophy. Um, great. And then, you know, Greg Rucka came along and did a lot of stuff with the question and used a lot of the same characters, and this is sort of, like, very much a through line from that, even though it doesn't really seem to be in continuity with that, because, like I say in the old stuff, Myra was married to Wesley Furman, the mayor, Whereas here okay. she's her, his, she's his his sister, mm, so this yes, is just yes. sort of using the same basic template as a jumping off point. But it's not it, the black label stuff is rarely in continuity anyway. Like the last night on Earth thing was definitely not in continuity. The yeah, various yeah. Joker and Harley Quinn miniseries we're reading are very you know the Harleen mm-hmm. thing was definitely not in continuity. So, um, but it's great, and they have Dennis Cowan doing the art. You know, mm-hmm. like the definitive, I mean, I guess you could say Steve Dicko, who created the character is the definitive question artist. But Dennis Cowan, who did that run with Denny O'Neill, all five years of it or whatever, is is definitely in the running for the definitive question artist. And getting Bill Sienkiewicz to do the inking, I mean, it just incredibly evolved, like very, very like um, rough yes. and abstract at times in its simplicity, but also like a lot, this really interesting use of shadows and cross-hatching. I mean, it's Bill Sienkiewicz, he's an he's a all, all-star an artist. Opacity. going Going back decades, like one of the one of the greats, like he's had yeah. books written about him. This is Bill Sienkiewicz. You probably, it's not a name that comes up for you a lot because I think he's probably done more Marvel stuff than DC. But suffice it to say, like he's up there with with some of the greats. Um, so getting him to ink this is is a is a coup. That's awesome. Um, and Jeff Lemire writing. Jeff Lemire's done a lot of great stuff, um, and it's really interesting. The first issue was sort of like a standard, um, Denny O'Neill, Greg Rucka era style question story where it's like he's dealing with corruption and you know incompetence and on the part of the mayor's office and the police and so on and he's reporting on it and he got taught is there and Mm -hmm. and richard dragon is there but then something sort of starts to eat away at him he starts to see certain things and do some research into certain things um and then it jumps to in the second issue um it's not just about the research he literally goes on a Basically, drug-fueled spirit Sure, quest. and then the second issue, it we, what seems to be happening is we almost have like a Hawkman-style series of yeah. reincarnations. And the whole second issue, without really breaking the conceit once, um, is a whole separate life he lived in the late 19th century, basically in the in the Wild West, yep. as a completely different guy with a similar or, or same name, depending on the version you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, with sort of a, a very, but a very different outlook, but similar accoutrement by the end of it. Yes. Um, meets an end, and then it jumps at the very end of the second issue, jumps forward to like the earlier the 1940s. mid, um, yeah, 20th century, and now we're going to see a different version of him. So I can't remember how many issues the series is going to be, but I don't know if every issue is just going to be a different life. Mm. Like, say it's five issues. Issue one is the setup, two, three, and four are different lives, and then five brings it all back to the present and wraps it up. Mm hmm. 
I don't know, but I don't know if we're supposed to, if he's lived many lives or just, there's just going to be like these two. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, those skeletons are still surrounding that same hole and we know how one of them got there and now we're understanding that that's a trap for a certain person. Yeah, but so, is it, it going to be like mm. heaven sent where there's like an entire ocean filled with the yes. skeletons of his past life or something? I, I'm not sure they're going to go that far. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this is going. But I mean, even just the second issue, like even if you just, apart from the conceit, like even if no one knew who the, even if you gave this to someone who didn't know who the question was, they wouldn't even need to know about all of it. If you just said, here's this book, it's an interesting story about like the makings of a vigilante in the old West. It would just, as like a compelling single issue story with characters you'd never seen before. I feel like it would really stand on its own. It's just like a really good mm-hmm. story. It's not the most, you know, innovative or thing in the world like the, it kind of proceeds in a way that you would expect with the tragedies kind of that you would expect given the setting yep. you know of the time but just really effectively done and the art obviously is beautiful so and in the way it fits into this larger story is very interesting as well so yep. we'll see where it goes but i think it was just a really good sort of single issue story of this you know past life that he had in some way yep yep really good um so instead of our quiz we were going to talk about um now that we've seen the last couple of parts of crisis on infant earth we were going to rate our predictions, or I mm-hmm. guess just my predictions, um, but I think it would make more sense to wait until we're actually talking about those episodes to to do that. So let's talk about some of our other shows first. Yep. Sounds so good. we had Star Wars Resistance. This was the penultimate episode. This one was called Rebuilding the Resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, this was good. I feel like again, like whenever the stakes are highest, I feel like is when the show is most interesting. And yep. here we actually get some consequences, not for any characters that we <laughs> that we know or see. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> But, you know, the, the our guys are trying to evacuate some uh, resistance recruits from Dantooine. Um, we see Tora's mom again. And, uh, yeah, and Tam and, and Rucklin are among the Thai pilots sent to shoot them down. And Rucklin actually does end up shooting one of the transports down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like this is the, the point at which Tam realizes that she's... Tam gets shot, by the way. Well, yeah, her ship gets clipped and sure. she has to kind of... But I think that's mostly just there to put her a, out of commission yeah it's, there's a plot the contrivance choice. so yeah, that she's of sort of absolved of she's not actually firing she's not called upon she's not in a position anymore she's not capable of firing on the transport exactly so she just has to sit there and watch and observe what's happening mm-hmm. you know um but it seems like at the end she's had it because she's she's uh, her com- she seems completely deflated with any enthusiasm for the first order after and this time she gets the promotion to beat all promotions yeah but she doesn't her, care about it yeah. anymore because now she's actually seen innocent people die as opposed to being able to sort of Abstract, Think her abstract way that away, away from it, yeah. Yeah. Justify so, I mean, that's 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 fine. You know, we've, we've talked about that that aspect of things a lot. But seeing seeing some actual consequences in death, and, you know, then at the end, uh, Captain Doza decides to throw in with the resistance yep. permanently. And mm-hmm. so presumably this will set up a big confrontation between the two sides in the next episode, and maybe we'll even get them joining up with the larger resistance at the end. I yep. feel like it, w- it would be nice to at least see Poe and probably Leia again one more time, even yeah. if we don't get to see like Ray and Finn or something like that in, in, in animated form, which would be cool. But I feel <laughs> like we don't really need that. No. If, if they just see them landing on whatever planet they were on in Rise of Skywalker, which I yep. don't think I know the name of, um, and Poe and Leia are there and, you know, whatever. Right. Then that, at least that would be, I feel like that would be a good ending for the, for the thing. Um, so Doctor Who... Yes. This, so this was not my uh, coming after the the, the two part premiere. This was a pretty big letdown for me. I didn't really like this one very much. I oh. thought so. So listening to the listening to podcasts about it, I think I agree with what with what I was hearing, which is that they like the first half more than the second half. Like the set the setup was interesting mm-hmm. of this like mysterious resort planet where things start to go wrong. Yeah. Um, they introduced some interesting guest characters. Mm-hmm. There's like an interesting central mystery. The the aliens or or so we think are kind of effectively creepy mm-hmm. uh, at the yep. beginning. But then at the end, it just sort of felt, it got, I mean, 
I don't mind. I don't think. Well, yes, it definitely was like too on the nose preachy, and yeah. I, you know, it's it's not that I disagree with the message because I certainly don't, but I feel like it was this close to the doctor like looking straight into the I camera know, and addressing the audience. You know. Yeah. Um. But and and I feel like they the the twist of it being Earth was not necessarily predictable, but kind of formulaic like how many times like the planet of the apes thing is a cliche at this point right and it's not the only one to do it like shocking reveal that this has actually been earth all along right um and i don't know some of the i feel like there were too many kind of overstuffed like the guest characters a lot of them didn't really get much development like any of them on their own could have maybe been an interesting thing like the whole mother daughter thing with the mother you know kind of abandoning her daughter to build this thing um, then the daughter kind of, but even then their motivation seemed, some of the motivations seemed a little weird, like that because her mother wasn't around, she's basically becomes like a terrorist and she's going to kill innocent people or at least endanger them. That felt, that felt like a little contrived. Um, the, the kid that has like super mechanical aptitude, like that the, the father and their, their relationship didn't really get much development. I found the, the old lady who was just screaming Benny over and over yeah. again to be actually really irritating and yeah. not really that good of an actress to me. <laughs> um, she That's just seemed funny. like hysterical, like like hysterical, like, like, like really yeah. over the top. Like yeah. it, it seemed really over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you do with my penny? And, and, and even yeah, and, and some lines were like oddly written, and, and even the doctor's characterization seemed strange. Like so, th- she was really mad at this at this lady for for building a resort on this like wasteland of a planet with mm-hmm. a, with the with the aspirations of maybe like terraforming ex- ex- ter- it again. So like. Is that's bad? I guess yeah, why? that you want to terraform a ruined planet. I, be, I guess maybe right. because she, the work I guess maybe because she something. wasn't telling the guests that it was dangerous outside the dome. But if the intention is that they never have to leave the dome, is it that dangerous? Right. Like they I didn't. What, what happened? Her is that instant the rage security. at the character seemed seemed out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seemed like a lot of ideas thrown in there. Like too many characters, none of them really being serviced properly, and the ending seemed. Not not just like the one-two punch of being like cliched and also like really on the nose preachy, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I also heard said, which I think I agree with, that the doctor is basically preaching to the you know Ryan and Graham and Yaz about like, oh, you know, you guys have got to yeah. shape up. And so, what do you want them to do? They're, they're traveling with you. They're not even on you know. Yeah. They're not even on Earth anymore. What do you yeah. expect them to do? There's very little they can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That just felt it. It felt, and and I heard which I didn't know. I didn't recognize the name, but this was the same writer that wrote last season. It takes you away, which is the one with the deaf daughter and the like, the mirror oh, world yes. and so on. Yes, and mm-hmm. that was one of the as far as like we we've talked about before about how I think the historicals were the best part of last season. But as far as the sci- more sci-fi episodes, that was one of the standouts from last season. Yeah, and to me, this felt like a bit of a disappointing. Um, Follow up from that. It just felt like, and the other thing too is that I don't know. I've heard some weird theories about this. It's like most of the episodes over the past couple of years have been an hour. This one was only forty-five minutes. So, like, did did something weird happen behind the scenes? Like, they they lost a location, or one of the actors' availability was weird, and they had to like edit around it because it just felt like with an extra fifteen or so minutes to set up some better characterization and flesh out some of the side characters more, mm-hmm. it would have been better. But why why was it thirty percent shorter than the last few episodes? Like that's a big fluctuation in running time. So I don't know. Maybe something happened. There was some behind the scenes 
um, production issues or something, and right. they had to like I didn't sort of try to salvage it. But it, do, it does seem weird. It just it seems like there was more, like a lot of good ideas, but none of them were just were really dealt Fleshed with out. very effectively. Yeah. So I don't know. It was a bit of a disappointment to me. Did you? Do you? Kind of, it didn't seem like maybe you had the same. I you thought it was preachy, but yeah, you enjoyed I, it. I did. Uh, I think the the last speech was really really over the top. That was the probably that the was, most. That was really, really just... I could have written that in, like when I was 15. <laughs> but I mean, I listen, I mean, like Star Trek is definitely... Star Trek isn't preach. I don't know. Maybe it no. is. Maybe I'm just in your well, turn. In some places, yeah. Star, Star Trek definitely gets on its high horse, but it, at least it does so indirectly. You yes. know, like they, yes. they've got Frank Gorshin mm-hmm. there with the black on one side and white on the other side. And they got the other guy. It's never cap. It's never like Patrick Stewart or William Shatner turning to the camera and saying, you know, racism is really bad. Exactly. No, That's they what demonstrate exactly. through parable mm-hmm. or through analogy or through metaphor, science fiction metaphors on the show, why these things are bad. Right. They don't just have one of the main characters turn to that camera and say, now we see why racism is really bad. Right. And you, and why didn't the, be- I mean, every so often, like there's bad Star-, Star Trek, like there's everything else. Every so often you'll have an episode where it's like, even really good Star Trek does it sometimes. Like mm-hmm. we just rewatched The Voyage Home and they're like, why to hunt a species to extinction is not logical. Like, yes, we get it, Leonard Nimoy. Like that's, that's, Leonard Nimoy has a very strong environment, you know, conservationist, environmentalist streak. And that's definitely him speaking through the movie. But even then, it's like it's in character for it and it fits in the scene. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even when that's practically Leonard Spock talking to the audience about how you shouldn't hunt whales, right? It kind of works in the context in that more than I feel like it did in this Doctor Who episode, you know? So mm-hmm. maybe it's just a question of execution and not so much the preachiness level. I don't know. At the very least, it's good to see um, other people from uh, John Candy's Race from Spaceballs getting work in, on television still, right? That, yes, uh, yes. What was it? Uh, Candy with a three or whatever the heck her name was? <laughs> yeah. Didn't she look like a mog? She looked like... She really did, yes. Yeah, so it's good, it's good to see the mogs getting more work yeah, these I days. I like your tail. Yeah. Um, isn't that exa- basically exactly what that was, right? Good. That was John Candy from Spaceballs, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Possibly, mm-hmm. <laughs> possibly the stupidest looking alien <laughs> that I've ever seen on Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so Harley Quinn, this yeah. was another fun one. So this mm-hmm. is her finally getting inducted into the Legion of Doom. And again, like really Bad. smart character work between yes. her and Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy's, like the, the Legion wants, mm-hmm. uh, Legion wants Poison Ivy, not Harley Quinn. Yep. And, and Ivy doesn't want to go along with it at first because she finds the whole thing distasteful and all these men are despicable. Yeah. But then she ultimately kind of decides to go along with it for Harley's sake, but then Harley's kind of getting a little full of herself about it and she's trying to sort of let her down easy but then it turns out they let them in after all right. but because of the way that Ivy handled it through no fault of her own Harley kind of thinks that she's being a bad friend right, and so yeah. they kind of have a bit of an argument and all this you know and some great Bane stuff in there again is a really, <laughs> really funny version of Aquaman on this show <laughs> yes um, just, so good. yeah just a lot of a lot of great stuff, but again, like really deft characterization. And you kind of feel like there's an arc happening here, you know? Yeah. Like it's there's not just, it's episodic, but we're about two thirds of the way through the season. And you feel like there's, there's sort of a through line of the way that she's being characterized and right. Ivy and all these other characters. And the Legionnaire, uh, I mean, Lex Luthor is clearly playing the two of them against each other and trying to break, put a wedge between them because they're easier to manipulate separately. Right. Um, it's, it's got a lot going on. And on top of the, that is still just fast, witty, sharp, hilarious dialogue. It's 
It's a really good show. And Fast Sweetie Hilarious Shark dialogue, too. Yes. <laughs> and Giancarlo Esposito does a really good Lex Luthor also. I know. And right? you feel like there's definitely somebody working on the show or somebody's that are big fans of the Bruce Tim stuff. Because not only oh, does yes. Lex, cause Lex Luthor, Stepped that's right a version of, of Lex Luthor that's unique to that show, having like a slightly darker complexion mm-hmm. and having the white on white tie and everything like that's. That's the Clancy yeah. Brown Lex Luthor, basically. Yep. Like, there's no other version of Lex Luthor that's ever looked like that. No, so it's super good. There's definitely the angles are right. A lot to I mean, that. it's it matches the art style of this show particularly well. Yeah, you know, he's, he doesn't still, have the like big. The angles, he doesn't the have the big Bruce Tim torso. Or right. Whatever. He's more felt like in keeping with the designs of this show. But yeah, but it's again, definitely the, the lines are still the costuming very and everything are yeah. very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's talk about the crisis stuff. So we have the final two parts be, uh, comprising episodes of Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. And then we have a couple of post-crisis episodes mm-hmm. being Batwoman and Supergirl. Yes. Like a whole a whole new generation is being introduced to the pre-crisis versus post-crisis uh, <laughs> terminology. <laughs> so it's what goes around comes around. It's been it's been 30 years, but now we get to get a new generation debating about what was better, pre-crisis or post-crisis. Does that mean I'm not the noob anymore? Well, yeah, I don't think so. All right, so let's so let's assess my predictions here. So we went yeah. through these a few a few weeks ago at sort of the halfway point, and it looked like it was doing pretty well. Um, so some of these actually did end up paying did did end up paying off, mm-hmm. um, but then others uh, others are kind of I feel like maybe I could get a half point. We'll see what you think. So all right, so number one, we won't go super in depth because we've gone over this stuff uh, at least at least twice already. Number one, the multiverse survives. Um, in other words, there's more than just one Earth left at the end of it. So definitely, that I get that, right? Yep. But Even, only we know. This is actually really clever. I didn't see that That coming, is clever. But. That is smart. And it, it allows them to sort of take the multiverse, not just that, but Brainy, so, you know, talking, jumping ahead a little bit for a yep. second to the Supergirl episode, Brainy pulls up, like, his thing, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, see these vibrational readings? Yes. No more multiverse. So it's not just that the characters, for some reason, think it's not out there anymore. Yeah. It, the na- very nature of it has changed, and it seems like the other Earths are more inaccessible now. Yeah. Like, Somehow can't be detected. Like, the, the, the old methods of reaching them Yeah, so to use, like, the Grant... Different, and so the they Grant, think they're yeah, alone. Yeah, to use the Grant Morrison cosmology, maybe there's only, like, one Earth left in that, in the orrery, you know, mm-hmm. surrounded by the, the source wall, separated by... You know what I mean? There's right, only right, one right. in there. The other multiverses are still... The other Earths and other you know, local multiverses are still out there, but it's no longer as simple as just going next door. It'd be more like having to, you know, f- travel from the Earth to the moon or something like that in terms of the difficulty of getting to one of these other Earths. Yeah. Um, but they, they are still out there, so I get that one. Number two, Supergirl characters relocated to main Earth. Definitely get that one. Yep. My, my sort of... Um, nested prediction under that one was um, that they will probably, as was the case in the comics, the characters will always remember there having only been one Earth. I feel like I, I kind of get that because everybody but our protagonists remember there only ever having been one Earth. All the citizens of National City think that they were always on the same Earth as Green Arrow. That and is Africa. true. Okay, so the citizens, yeah, but... Um... Everybody is not everybody. Yeah, and but Mar- that wasn't really Martian my Man prediction. Hunter, my prediction yeah. was the Supergirl characters relocated to the main Earth. Yeah. But definitely definitely the conceit of, of this thing is that everybody, the everybody's yeah. memories have been altered. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally before Jean went around and, and fixed, fixed most of the characters, things, there yeah. were only six or seven characters out of, you know, well, yeah. billions yeah. that remembered it that way. So on the, on the whole, I would get that one. But that, anyway, that wasn't really the main prediction. The main prediction was Supergirl characters relocated to main Earth. So I definitely get that one. Uh, number three, Black Lightning establishes being another Earth. I definitely get that one, even though it's now oh, yeah. no, now no now longer. Now on the same Earth, yeah. But they retroactively established it as being some other Earth that mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll ever learn the designation of because it doesn't exist anymore. Um, number four, deaths of at least two series regulars. So I think this is the first one where I can only get half a point because mm-hmm. I think you can give me Oliver, yeah. but that's the only 
one. They didn't kill anybody else. But he, but he died twice. <laughs> I'm not sure that counts. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I'm just I'm surprised there wasn't a bigger death toll. I thought they would have taken this opportunity to sort of like call some of the, you know, perhaps less necessary or less popular supporting characters just to sort of make it seem like the stakes were higher right, but right. It pre- instead everybody pretty much came through it intact with the exception of green arrow so i was a little surprised by that but i get a half point for that one so number five um oliver dies in a way that could allow him to return in the future so i feel like you can't really give me this one because his death at the end of part four as the specter seemed pretty definitive now yeah. now two things you could say in my favor are one, we haven't seen the conclusion of the story yet because there's still two more episodes of Arrow, right? True. They could establish in the final episode of Arrow that even though he died as the Spectre, maybe he's still out there somewhere or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, technically, like you say, he died twice. And the first time he died, definitely left the door open for him to return as, in fact, he did. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could give me a half point for that one. But, you know, the fact, that, there, also the something... fact, that, the fact that we haven't seen the end of Arrow yet, technically these were crisis predictions and right. the ending of Crisis left him in a pretty definitively dead state, so I don't think I can really get a point from that, but maybe I, I get a half point I feel like for... there needs to be a resolution to Felicity's arc because she was expecting the Monitor to keep his promise in returning them and reuniting them together, and so they... I see, yeah, I think there'll be some payoff to that, but I don't know if... And I, obviously, Stephen Amell will be in the final episode of his own show, but that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that he that I will be right about this or that he will appear in anything other than, like, a, mem- uh, a memory or a flashback or, yeah. or, or, you know, whatever. But I don't... At most, I could get a half point from this, but it definitely... Because what happened to the monitor? He died. He yeah, died at the end I of part so. three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe with the multiverse being reformed, he was reborn. That's what happened in the comics, right? Yeah. Is that there was a, there was one monitor, and then when the multiverse sort of like split, each Earth got like basically its own monitor. So maybe they'll go with that. Maybe now there's a whole bunch of them, or maybe he's definitively dead. Who knows? I, I would be surprised if they trotted him out again anytime soon just because I feel like they want to move on. But yeah, if you're going to see him one more time, the last episode of Arrow where he like reunites them or something in the afterlife seems like would be the place to see it. Um uh, so yeah, so number six, Tom Welling will not wear a costume. I got that one. Yeah. Number seven, John Williams Superman theme and Shirley Walker Batman theme. Yep. So as I said last time, only half right mm-hmm. um, because we Walker. got the John Williams theme, but we got the Danny Elfman, not the Shirley Walker theme. So that's only half right. Uh, number number eight, I got, put, came through with this one um, in the end, uh, a DC um, extended universe cameo, which is to say someone from the current yes. movies. So so uh, Wonder of Wonders, I actually got that one right because Ezra Miller showed up for, for about two minutes. Um, that was great. Surprising everyone. So I didn't expect to get that one right. But I, I was expecting, we talked about this last time, I was saying, well, they're not going to have one of the actors on there, but they might show like footage from Wonder Woman to show right. like, oh, that's Earth Yeah, and I didn't contest that one, yeah. Um, so I got that one. Number nine, uh, an explanation. This is my, this is my, <laughs> this is the one that's always stuck in my craw. An explanation for young Dinah and young Laurel in the future. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I can't really get this one because there was no explanation offered here. Not I feel like the you can kind of back solve for this. The fact that things, the future was reset, maybe allows them to do it. And again, the very next episode of Arrow will presumably. And I, we know right, from but that's photos, not during the crossover. No, we so know I don't from think photos that, that I was right. Yes. There will be young young Laurel and young yes. Dinah in the future, but the crisis did not tell us how yet. So I feel like I probably can't even get a half point from that. And then number nine, uh, sorry, uh, no, that was number nine. So number 10, uh, more guest stars. One, and here was my, here was my, I don't know why I had an odd number of these, so it kind of makes it hard to grade, but <laughs> more guest stars. One from classic movies, one more from the animation, and one from the DC Universe streaming shows. So I feel like I get a half point for this one 
because we did get more DC Universe streaming show cameos. We got the Titans again, mm-hmm. which we'd had already. We got the Doom Patrol and we got Stargirl. Yeah. So there's your DC Universe crossover uh, cameos. Yep. One from classic movies. Um, depends how you define classic. We did get some footage from the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie, which is no one's definition of a classic. Um, but I feel like maybe that's half right because it was from like one of the older non, non-current movie series. Okay. Right? Um, but one more from the animation, aside from Kevin Conroy, no. So I feel like that's right. a half point because I definitely got the DC Universe ones. I kind of got the older movies ones and I did not get the animation ones. So I feel like call that one a wash and give it a half point. So overall, I got 6.5 out of 10. Maybe bump that up to 7 if you want to give me some credit for Oliver dying and coming back in a certain way as a specter. Or maybe, you know, in the final episode of Arrow, he'll maybe die in, in a no, way. No, because you him. meant two characters. You didn't mean two deaths. No, not the two deaths. I'm talking about the one that the Green Arrow will die in a way that allows him to come back later. And oh, technically oh, oh, that oh. did happen with his first death. So yeah. if I maybe get a half point for that, that bumps me up to 7 out of 10. All right, take but, your 7, yeah. you know, even 7.5 would be would be too generous. So yeah, 7 out of 10 I feel like is where I land. So that's not too bad. Yep. Some yep. of the ones that I thought were, were gimmies, I didn't get. I, I'm surprised I didn't take the opportunity because a lot of the people from the, the animation, mm-hmm. um, those would be easier gets than certainly having having like Carl Lumbly. I mean, they already have Phil Lamar and Carl Lumbly on these shows, right? Yeah. Getting George Newbern or Susan Eisenberg to show up for two minutes would be a, would have been a lot easier than getting Ezra Miller, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm almost surprised they didn't do that. But maybe those people, aside from Kevin Conroy possibly being the one exception, would be less recognizable right. to your average TV fan. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like a lot of people watching these shows probably grew up with Batman the Animated Series, but they they wouldn't know George Newbern to see him, for example, even mm-hmm. though he's done more live action stuff than Kevin Conroy has. Right. Um, so yeah, so I'm a little surprised by some of the ones I got right and some of the ones I got wrong, but I feel like I did pretty well. You did. You but did but just talking about the episodes themselves. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought that these were I thought this was a good conclusion. So we get um, they're they're trapped at vanishing point. They've been stuck there for a month, which yep. obviously is is you know feeding like in real world we had a month long hiatus between episodes, and so for the characters it's been a month also. Mm-hmm. Um, Oliver shows up as the specter. He sort of leads. What do the, they eat? Um. I think this sort of thing where time doesn't really pass there, but that can't be right because Ryan grew a beard. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there was... I thought about that. Could, <laughs> um, but Lex's beard didn't seem like it grew. Exactly. So I don't know what the reason... But maybe he shaves. Is. Maybe he shaves. But using what? It doesn't matter, I guess. Um, <laughs> the questions. But um, yeah, so Oliver shows up as the specter and he leads them like by way of the speed force to... Some, well, some of them go to... Uh, some of them go to Maltus, right? And others go yeah. to the, the beginning of time. Um, to confront the anti-monitor and to stop the monitor from actually traveling back to the dawn of time in the first place and opening the, like, puncturing a the, hole between the matter and antimatter universes and allowing the anti-monitor to come through in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, they end up having this big fight at the dawn of time. Mm-hmm. Um, Oliver sacrifices himself. The others kind of do the Care Bear stare the sp- yep. where they're they're lending him their strength. Um Oliver gets into this big, and, and I didn't remember this from Crisis because it's not one of the images that really stuck with me, but there was a moment in Crisis, and it's one of the covers of the issues, where it's the Spectre and the Anti-Monitor, like, lo- oh, like cool. locked like this, like lock in combat. Fist, in combat. Yeah. So, the classic lock fist, eye to eye, so, pose, uh, yes. So mm-hmm. this is definitely a um, following from that. Um, so they, they succeed. Um, the Anti-Monitor is seemingly destroyed. Um, the, uh, the multiverse is restarted. Yep. Um, although, th- so far as these characters know, there's only one Earth. Um, Oliver dies. Barry and, and uh, Sarah are there, which is nice because yeah. I feel like... It's great. I mean, when he, quote-unquote, died the first time, like, Barry was there. 
which is which is fine because you know they've known each other for years and Kara was there which is fine but they've only met like three or four times yeah yeah um you feel like if anybody's going to be there you'd you would want it to be Sarah and like somebody that maybe he's known Diggle, for a long time yeah, right yeah. you know what I mean um and it, it was actually in a plot point, and I imagine this will come up in the final episode, is that Diggle actually, you know, twice. Twice he called missed. His, his brother died and he wasn't there to help him or even be, be there, there with him when he died, you know what I mean? So that's going to weigh on him, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, he can take comfort in his extra kid that he's got now, right? <laughs> um, and then Oliver dies and we cut and then it's the next episode and we're, we're, we're with the Supergirl cast and Kara's going about her business, but wait a minute, it's the um the weather witch and we're like wait a minute did you recognize her at first i did of course and so you're like wait a minute wrong earth right because she's an earth one yeah. character yeah and so immediately i'm like well at first it, it opens on her earth and i'm like okay here we go and, yep. and they, they were being a little too coy about things i'm like i think i'm right i think this is going to be like a merged earth <laughs> and then weather witch shows up and i'm like yeah okay that's what's doing and then flash shows up and like oh wait a minute we're on the same earth marv wolfman is there yes that was great um well, I don't, do I get any points for that? No, I don't, I don't think I don't think real life comic creators was was a prediction. Although if I'd thought about it harder, I probably would have put uh, Wolfman and or Perez cameos. And they did mention Perez. There was like a Perez Street or Perez yes, Pier or something did, like yeah. that. Um, Perez Square, I think. Um, and so they're on this. Plaza. They're on the same uh-huh. Earth, so it's Earth Prime now, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the many designations that's kind of given to the current Earth. You know, it's alternately called Earth Zero, New Earth, Prime right. Prime Earth. Um, but unlike in the comics, the multiverse still exists, like we said, but our characters just don't know about it. Yep. Um, Bebo shows up, except it's <laughs> not really Bebo. Um, it's Sargon the Sorcerer, I guess, for some reason. Um, Wait, is that from a cartoon? Did you get that right? What? Sargon. No, he's a classic He's a classic comics character. He's one of the magic users. He's like there with Ibisi, Invincible, was he ever, and Dr. Was Fade, he ever and in jo- Zatara, and those, was what, yeah, that ilk. But what he was he from an animated series was or an actor? animated film? No. Yeah, the actor was nobody. Oh, but the I mean, character. Well, yeah, but all these characters have been in animation. Oh, I can't okay, get a point I for guess. that. I was talking about the actors. All right, fair, um, fair, fair, fair enough. So the only the only thing that I so I basically I liked everything about this. I mean, the confrontation at the at the dawn of time sort of suffers from the budget, right? Because you can only what you really want is you want like end game, right? You want yep. like all the heroes we've ever met all teaming up for one massive battle, but they can't afford that. So instead, what you get is like seven guys fighting CG demons, sort of like we flailing their weapons around so they can add CG shadow creatures in later yes. while Oliver fights the anti-monitor one-on-one because that's what they could afford. And Mark Guggenheim has said, because some people were talking to him on Twitter, like it would have been nice to have like a bigger battle with, with like bigger special effects or something. Like Because mm-hmm. in the in the comics, this whole thing, the whole final battle took place on like an asteroid field or something. It wasn't like, oh, here's here's a valley, right? Like the same valley that all the Star Trek, the same canyons, whatever, right. Vasquez Rocks, where all the Star Trek canyon scenes take place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this is Vancouver, not California, but still. Um, and he said, you know, we have a limited budget and we chose, we made a conscious decision going in where there was money to be spent to try to get as many like guest stars and classic characters and and clear the rights to the music and like make it as much of a celebration as we could even if it meant that like the the big spectacle had to be lost a little bit like we right. couldn't have as many you know special effects as many right. like cg stuff and i feel like if you're doing crisis on a tv budget having having it feel um more inclusive and expansive mm-hmm. And be like a treat to the fans is yeah. probably a better way to go than making than trying to do like Endgame because you're never right. going to get there in a TV budget anyway. So why try? Like, 
you know, go for the smaller scale stuff and just have it be wider as opposed to bigger. You Work know what within, I mean? Right. Yeah. Working so I feel within like, your um, thing I feel like that was trying smart. to reach beyond it. Yeah, How, yeah. However, I feel like one place they could have saved money is I didn't need the second battle with the anti-monitor in the final episode. They they fight him down. They they fight him down at the dawn of time. Yeah. Oliver's there as the specter. The multiverse is restarted, mm-hmm. and then he comes back later, and they fight him like again in, in some vacant lot. Yeah, yeah. Like that was so such a fall off in terms of spectacle from the previous fight. You don't you didn't need that. Like maybe they want to have well, a big action scene in the final episode. I think thematically they wanted to do it. No, I think it was uh, about the theme that they wrote too, because um, they wanted to make sure that Oliver was the spark and the the seven yeah, of them our, were the guardians the guys to keep carrying the, the torch. The paragon took him down. Right. Yeah. I get it, but I was satisfied with the role the paragons played. Right, in, with the in Care Bear that, In that previous battle. Well, also they bought him time by they fighting did. off all the shadow demons, right? Which is what they exactly did yeah. again. I was fine here. with that. Yeah, yeah I was fine yeah. with that. I didn't need the second confrontation. I think the whole final episode could have just been no fights, maybe have the fun Bebo fight, just yeah. as a way of like showing all these characters getting used to working with each other on the same earth for the first time. Right. But then just have the whole thing be getting to know this new status quo. Have a few, have a few more scenes of like, because there were whole characters we didn't see here. Like I have know. more with Superman and Lois. Mm-hmm. Have Iris in there a little bit or some of the other throw in the legends again yeah like have some have Constantine in there and show like just have more you have those actors anyway I understand you would have needed to pay them more but would that have been more than having all the special effects for that big fight with the anti-monitor it probably would have been cheaper and I think it would have have it be the denouement you don't need to have a huge fight in every episode so that's my one my one qualm but it's fine and then and so they dispense with him um and then we get some great stuff near the end. We get this sequence, this montage that shows us the multiverse still exists. Right. We see the new Earth 2, which has gone from being the Earth 2 we saw in all those seasons of The Flash. To being to the being location the Earth of... where the new Stargirl show on DC Universe will take place. We see the Titans are still there on Earth 9. We see the Doom Patrol is there on mm-hmm. their own Earth. Um, we see Swamp Thing. Yes. Um, we see, I'm seeing, trying to see if I'm forgetting anything. We Obviously, the one that that's, that sticks out is we see the Brandon Routh, Brandon Routh. Superman yeah. one more time doing this the thing time, doing the thing where he's doing the flyby. Describe the, the S. Describe the S. Well, they had the gold instead of the black on his shield, mm-hmm. even though it's still the more stylized Kingdom Come design. The colors are classic now uh, to show, I suppose, that he's, you know, he's living a brighter earth. life now. Yeah. Maybe, who knows? Maybe, maybe when the multiverse was reset, his the, his friends and family at the Daily Planet were now no longer killed or whatever. Right. So, or it's just that he's sort of this experience is sort of he's kind of, kind of come through his dark phase and now he's ready to be right. brighter, more optimistic again. Even even with all he's lost, who knows? We'll probably never know because I think that's the last time we're going to see that version of that yeah. character. Yeah. But he does the thing that all the Christopher Reeve movies <laughs> and himself in Superman Returns ended with, where he does the flyby of the Earth and he looks at the camera and he winks at the audience, mm-hmm. you know, um, and he you know. That's, and then keeps on flying. That's that's a that's tradition. Awesome. That's a tradition. Forty years old now, almost yep. almost to the day, um, and he gets to you know carry that through. Oh, so I feel like that that's was. So that, cool. And the John, we hit, get to hear the John Williams Superman theme one more time. Yeah. For I doubt it's the last time, but it could be the last. You know, who knows? You know, because yeah, how many know. times are we going to keep revisiting the the Donner right. era or the you know Brandon mm-hmm. Routh era? Um, I don't know if I'm forgetting any other Earths, but those those were the main ones, and so. The multiverse is still out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we can rest assured, you know, that Tom Welling and Erica Durant are still living there. Their their happy retirement on the farm with their kids. That Brandon Routh is still out there somewhere. All yep. the other shows are still out there. Um, you know, Flash of Earth 90 died, but that was yep. like his ending. So he got that ending. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's great. And, and I'm glad that the multiverse is still out there. They have Stephen Amell reprise the... Uh, 
the voiceover that the monitor did in the first episode about how the universe was born then split into many because now Oliver, because the monitor was the one that was there from the beginning overseeing the, the original multiverse. And now right. this new earth, this this new multiverse, Oliver was the one that was there from the beginning. He was the one that, that, mm-hmm. that sort of set this new multiverse on its path and sort of gave it a little push mm-hmm. and a send off, you know. So he's kind of the formative entity of this new multiverse in an interesting way. And I feel like I, before we get to like all the stuff with the Hall of Justice and everything, I feel like... <laughs> It's, it's, I'm curious to see what they do with the final episode of Arrow because this was a really nice, I mean, we've talked before about how like when, when Oliver dies, it feels like it should kind of happen on the streets, you know, like he should die the way he lived, you know, like sticking, fighting for the little guy on the streets of Star City. He shouldn't Mm -hmm. go out in some big cosmic battle because that's not really the way he lived. That was never what his fight was about. But if you're going to have him go out that way, I feel like this is pretty much the best way to do it. I agree. And it wasn't just like spectacle. It actually, because they had the whole thing where they were all in the Speed Force together. Yep. And they were revisiting key moments of of him forming these initial bonds right yeah. his the 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 place where he first met Barry you know yeah. him one of his first conversations with Ray Palmer yeah you know there when Sarah died you know yeah. and and like some of the formative relationships of his life yeah. right and so when he when when he goes out his arc that comes to completion is that he was a guy who started off wanting to do this alone right yeah and in the end not only did he like build this family around himself, but mm-hmm. he inspired this whole generation of heroes. And moreover, when he goes out, it's not, he doesn't, his whole thing, his whole thing has always been, even when he inspires others and learns to work with others, it's always been about trust issues with him. Yeah. He doesn't trust anybody else to do the job as well as he feels like he can, right? He's always, even when he, even when he surrounds himself with people, it's only a matter of time until he pushes them away. He's like, no, I need to do this alone. This is my mission. This is my fight, right? He's, he pushed John away. He's pushed Felicity away before. He pushes everybody away. Usually they come back to him because he apologizes and they all have to get on with their lives. But he's always been about, you know, ultimately, I've got to do this alone. This is my mission, right? Right, right. He's never been big on trust. He's always been looking over, well, even when he trains someone himself, he's always got to be looking over their shoulder. He's got to be worrying about them, right? His ultimate gesture here is he sacrifices himself, but he, he says he's at peace. He knows his family will be okay. He knows this new multiverse will be okay because he trusts in Barry and Sarah, these people that he's known exactly. for almost 10 years now. Yeah. And these other people, even even heroes to come that he barely knows like or never met, like Jefferson, mm-hmm. he now has gotten to the point where and he has gained the perspective through the events of, you know, his life and by becoming this all-powerful being with like this mm-hmm. wider perspective. He now trusts in other people to an extent that he never did before and he's able to die at, at peace mm-hmm. because he knows that there's there will always be heroes following after him to continue that they to fight. Will be so he says the to them, torch, yeah. so long as you promise me that you won't stop fighting, mm-hmm. I can be at peace because I know that you guys have got this, right? Yeah. And that is a great ending to his arc. You know, yeah. like there's different ways you could have done it. You could have done it in a way where it was more about, you know, his actual family. Like you could have done right, it in right. such a way where like William was, and Mia were there. Smaller, yeah, yeah, smaller you could have done it like in a quieter story. way. But if you've got to have him go out in a big cosmic way where he dies surrounded by people in costumes. This is the best way. And not like John yeah. and Mia and William. Right. I feel like this is the best way you could do it, you know? Agreed. And I feel like the whole you've got that whole final episode of Arrow for all those other characters, his own supporting cast to come to grips with it and maybe he appears to them one last time because right. of time shenanigans or whatever and gets to say goodbye, who knows. Um 
But I feel like if you're going to have him go out in a cosmic crossover, this is pr- pr- pretty much the best way to do it. And what better way? Like, there's a reason why it's called the Arrowverse, right? Like, now it's a literal Arrowverse. <laughs> where, like, Green Arrow created this universe. Yeah. And what better way, what better send-off to the show that started it all? This guy, the first hero in this universe, he actually created, you know, from yeah. our pers- real-world perspective, it was because of Stephen Amell and the Arrow show that, that this shared universe of shows exists. And now, yeah, literally, in the context of the shows... It is because of Green Arrow that this universe exists. It's a universe that was literally formed by him, just like it was in the real world. And that's not unintentional. I mean, that's obviously an intentional thing. And so we see at the end what is in all but name the Hall of Justice. Mm -hmm. And you've got basically the Paragons plus one or two other characters, you know, because Kingdom Come Superman had to go back to his Earth. So instead you've got Jefferson and you've got the Tyler Hecklin Superman there. Mm -hmm. But otherwise it's basically the Paragons, minus also Ryan Choi, Mm because he's not a superhero yet, if he ever will be. Um, and we've got the seven of them standing there, and they're they're there in the abandoned Star Labs facility that we saw in the invasion crossover a few years ago, and they've got his costume under glass, and they've got like this eternal flame yeah. burning there, and they say their goodbye, and Jefferson's like, "If you guys say so, I never met this guy, but yeah. he's, he's, he sounds nice," um, but he's kind of the odd man out. Um, <laughs> And then they <laughs> Barry walks them over to this. You've got you got to have the round table and the chairs, right? Oh so God, I don't know if they're ever to. actually going to say the the word Justice League on the show if they if they're, they're gonna, allowed they're gonna, to say it. Gonna. I mean, they're this gonna. Is, that's my prediction. But it's like <laughs> all of them sitting around the table, and what sells it is the fact that between Barry and Sarah, mm-hmm. you've got the chair, the empty chair with yeah. the Green Arrow symbol on the back. Yeah, and it's like Oliver will always have a seat at the head of that table, even though he'll never actually get to be there, right? Yeah. And they've got his costume and glass over there with the fire, and he's got the seat at the table. So even though there's seven members, because if it's going to be a Justice League, you've got to start with seven members, but they've got that eighth empty chair there because mm-hmm. he'll always be a part of it, you know? Yep. And I feel like that's, you know, and yeah. the fact that after all this time, like it is, if they were ever going to do the, a, a Justice League, it's kind of ridiculous that it took eight years Yeah. because they've been teaming up in, so regularly before that it's kind of been a Justice League in all but name. Yeah, but now you've got this group, and it's 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 a good mix of characters, you know. Like yeah. from a practical perspective, I don't know how often, if ever, we'll see them meet. I can't. I imagine that the the next time we'll see them all together again is going to be next year's crossover. I don't think it's going to be. You might see them use that location periodically for like two or three of them to get together. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. if 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 you know Supergirl and Superman need to meet with you know Batwoman or something, they might as well do it there. Yeah. Just to keep that location alive in the you know the minds of the viewers, and yep. they'll be like get that cool factor of seeing his you know Oliver's costume in the background every time. Yep. Um, but I feel like that's there to pay off a year from now, whatever the next crossover they do is. Um, I feel like that's going to be because it's not like the the note it ended on wasn't so much oh you know let's have weekly meetings and and let's vote on a chairman. It's like here's a place where we can all get together the next time the world's going to end, right? And I feel like that's. That's next year, yeah. right? That's not going to be every week. That's going to be next year. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Um, but it's cool knowing that even though they've all gone back to their own shows, like Black Lightning goes back to his family, but he's a founding member of the Justice League now. Yeah. You know, and that's going to that's going to change his perspective, right? Because yep. he's, he's like, oh, well, how, but how often is the world really in danger of ending? And <laughs> Superman's like, <laughs> it's like oh really it's like He's that like, oh, it's like that um, don't worry i was the new guy last year <laughs> so but it, it's an inter- it's a cool group i mean like having superman and supergirl on the same team together yeah. is interesting i mean yeah. they're basically it's it's like we said it's basically everybody who has their own show plus one or two others right it's basically yeah. everybody has their own show plus martian manhunter right um because getting a martian manhunter series anytime soon 
I That'd no, be but cool. I doubt it. But <laughs> otherwise, it's like a representative from each of the shows, yeah. right? You got yeah, Flash, you got Batwoman, you got White Canary from um, Legends. From Legends. Mm-hmm. You got Black Lightning, you've got Supergirl, and Superman's getting his own show. Yep. So it's the six leads plus Martian Manhunter because um, you've got to have seven. And also he's a founding member of the Justice League in the comics. And also it's nice to have more than one black guy on there, right? yeah. <laughs> to put it bluntly. Um, so it's, it's nice. I mean, if, I feel like you could have slotted someone else into that slot like you could have had ryan Choi become the new adam and have him there so it was literally the paragons yeah you could have had i don't know trying to think now i guess constantine wouldn't really be a good fit i'm trying to think of what other like big marquee character you could have on there i don't know i guess it's probably the best fit if you had to have seven right because he's one of the iconic members from the comics but so it's it's a good fit i mean if you can't have a green lantern if you can't have aquaman if you can't have wonder woman Right. You know, Martian Manhunter should be there at least. Everybody else was in costume and he's just like there in some jacket. <laughs> it's like you literally had a, it was literally a plot point that he had like a, a costume for the crossover. It's not just like his Martian shapeshifting thing. He actually had like this armor he wore even though he was still yeah. had his human complexion under it. So why wasn't he wearing it in that last scene? Everybody else was in their costumes. Uh-huh. Whatever. He didn't get the memo or, or whatever. And then of course we get the final uh, sting where they hear this uh, – they're rattling around in the rafters and we cut over to like this crate <laughs> with the with the, the door ajar and it says Gleek on there. So mm-hmm. and they, we hear the classic Super Friends music. So are we getting the Wonder Twins and, and Gleek the, the Super Monkey on the show next year? Are they going to be like – what I, they should do is if they're going to use this location for a couple of the characters to meet periodically, yeah. it should be a running gag. They're like, have we cut that damn monkey yet? No, he's still out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it should be a running gag and then we don't see him till next year or something. But it should be a running gag that they just can't catch this damn monkey. Because <laughs> it's a big building, right? Yeah, even yeah, though yeah. it seems like it's just one big room maybe, even though yeah. it doesn't look like it from the outside. It looks like there's one big aircraft hangar yeah. on the inside. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. And it'd be cool if periodically they revisit the location. We see that they're like they're gradually cleaning it up and adding more rooms. Like maybe they each have their own quarters there or something mm-hmm. like the Hall of Justice in the comics. I don't know. It'd be cool. And they have the whole thing where the president gets on the air yeah. um, and and says, you know, because Green Arrow's identity is known publicly now and has been for a couple of years. So she's able to, you say, know, say that he's this that greatest was, hero. Yep. She even says, you know, he was the first of this age of heroes and so on and so forth. Yeah. And we see everybody reacting. And we see the first indication that in, we see, so now in a few different ways, at the end of this episode, we see indications that the multiverse is sort of, or this this new prime earth, in addition to having all the all the CW shows smushed together Mm -hmm. there's been some changes here so john and lila now have two kids yep so sarah Sarah is back in addition to john jr Jr., um lex luther is um is a as a popular good guy philanthropist who's also the uh the head of the deo Mm -hmm. on on uh on this earth Mm -hmm. um and then as we go into some of the, as we go into Working the new episode. Working with his sister and his living mother. Right. And so as we get to, well, her, their, their mother was alive before. She was just in prison. That's we true. saw her relatively recently, actually. But she was in right. prison I after forgot. the whole, mm-hmm. uh, after the whole Cadmus thing. I thought she got shivved. I can't remember. No. No. In fact, I think that Lena met with her relatively recently, only a few episodes ago. I can't remember. Because, because she, because of the whole Leviathan thing. She went for information about Leviathan, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, now so so then going into the new episodes of Batwoman and Supergirl, we get more indications of the things that are different. So the, what's different in the and the Supergirl show mostly revolves around the DEO, um, the DEO and Lex Luthor's status, but also Leviathan. Their status quo is very different here. It seems like it a lot is. of the same players are involved, but they never emerged publicly right mm-hmm. over the past few weeks, and so they're still very very much a mystery. Um, and then in, in Batwoman. 
things are more or less the same, except there's a the big surprise at the end yeah. where Beth shows up, seemingly distinct from the version of Beth that is Alice. Yes. So we got some indications on Supergirl that there were episode. basically refugees from other Earths yes. that are now stuck here, namely, you know, alternate Earth versions of the witches from the rain season mm-hmm. and also alternate versions of Brainiac 5, one right. of which is female. Um and, and played by um, Jesse Rath's sister. Right. And so is this version of Beth on Batwoman a similar multiverse refugee? She doesn't she doesn't seem so she doesn't seem aware of it, which would no. be very different than the characters on on Supergirl. She huh. seemed like she was just going about she's like, Yeah, I'm back from, you know, my, my semester abroad. sojourn abroad or abroad or whatever. How's everything going? Like she didn't seem like she was yeah. A refugee from another Earth. She didn't seem particularly perplexed about it. But if that's the case, then how can there be two of them? Like, this is almost certainly a crisis fallout thing. Yes, but it, it seems is. different than what we've been seeing on yeah, Supergirl. But in it terms was of the very fallout. interesting that she gets her sister back, seemingly, um, after she says a pretty, what looks like a pretty final you are not sister moment. You are not my sister moment to Alice. Yeah. Where they really lay their cards out. Um, on the table and and um, Batwoman says, look, this is this is crazy. I have to accept that my sister Beth died and that you, whoever you are, you're just a deluded criminal who will never get her way. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how they're I don't know how they're going to. I mean, it's always possible that it's some sort of fake or something, right? That it's a doppelganger Mouse. or something like that. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure he I can pull that. that off. I know. I was wondering about <laughs> that, too, because like he can he can pretend to be. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he could pretend to be a 120 pound woman. But no. But, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, it'll be interesting to see where they go with this. But it's definitely an interesting twist to have at the end there. And then the main meat of this episode, obviously, is the whole thing with her struggling. And I like how they, they had. There's more repercussions from crisis. Like she was told that she's the paragon of courage, right? But right. she feels like in her and she she's she's doing great stuff in her in her civilian identity, right? Yes. Like she's she's out and proud. She's she's you know forging ahead with this new business the, development. The real estate you thing know, is going she's, well. She's yeah. you know she's pursuing you know romantic interests and so on. Like she's not holding back in her personal life, but as Batwoman, she feels like she's living a lie. Right. And how courageous is that really? Especially, yeah. and it was a little on the nose in a way that, oh, someone comes along that ex- says exactly the right thing like at the, the right living time. exemplar of what well, is bothering you. Yeah. But she meets this teenage girl who's become like this sort of black hat hacker, a sort of a cry for attention because she's having, she was closeted as a young gay woman, but then, you know, she was outed by her ex and now her parents don't want anything to do with her. She's a kid. And she's don't living call this, her a woman. <laughs> she's living this, what did I say? Gay woman? Well, yeah. yeah. Um, She's a kid, but I mean, going through the teenage teenage life within the the um, confines of heart, of uh, high school, it's not easy when your hormones are raging. You're trying to figure yourself out, and then somebody else comes along and totally blows up your life by um, outing you to your seemingly conservative, probably super religious parents. Who well, now she think literally that, said they were clutching rosaries. Right, so yeah, think, unless that was a metaphor, no, I think it's probably I'm safe to sure, say. Yeah. Yeah, but I, so so Kate feels like she's she's living a lie, and so not only does this, does this girl find out that she's Batwoman and and is you know brave enough to keep her secret even at the risk of her own life, but yep. Kate at the end resolves to come out to the world, not her secret identity, but 
through an interview in Catco magazine with Cara Danvers. Ah, um, she gets the byline. It's so good. <laughs> comes out as gay as Batwoman. Yeah, I wanted to pause the screen and read the article. And it was in, um, It might have just been so like Lauren Ipsen text know, or something like that. But the other headlines on the cover were interesting too because they definitely show the merged Earth thing. So, so there was something else about, there was some stuff about Lex Luthor on there and it was like, mm-hmm. oh, star, a tour of Star Labs or whatever. So it was like things on there from most of the different shows. Yep. Um, so yeah, and so that's and that's cool. And so I read an it's interview really today with inter- with the showrunner, who is herself good a gay show. a gay woman, mm-hmm. um, and she was saying that that as she was developing the show and you know writing the show and so on, that it started to feel it felt false to her um, as a gay woman herself that to to continue to, to to perpetuate the status quo as it's always been in the comics with this version of the character oh. where where the universe at large has there's no never no idea yeah there's never know, any reference it's, it about never it, yeah. really even come up you know because she rarely has her own series and even when she does it's not doesn't really focus on how the world views batwoman because the world is much more concerned with batman right whereas here she's <laughs> yeah. all they've got and so the, there's a lot of speculation about her right mm-hmm. um but to, to the showrunner as a gay woman, she said it, it was started to ring as she got deeper and deeper into the show and more and more episodes in, it started to ring increasingly false to her mm-hmm. that someone as courageous as Kate, who's who's so fearless in her personal life, yeah. would allow it to continue, you know, when she could be in a position to be an example right. to other to other people in every aspect of her life, that she wouldn't do that. You know, it, it, it started to feel like not cowardly, but like false. It started to like, she started to feel like the character wouldn't do this. Like the character that we've been writing and is portrayed by the actress would not continue to make this choice. Right. And so that's why they decided to take this step. Um, and it's a step that hasn't really been taken in the comics. But but like I say, in the comics, very little attention is ever paid to the personal lives of any of these characters, True. you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's an interest. So it's it's interesting. It's an interesting way to set it apart from the comics, um, and it's it will raise interesting stories in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, well, this this is going to make her life more difficult in certain ways. Like, there's going to be now a certain percentage of the city that probably rejects her, where before they were more accepting of her. That maybe doesn't want her help in a critical life or death situation, and that might make things difficult or even dangerous for her. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting twist. But I think it's it's good to sort of. It's good that they're putting their own spin on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then in, in Supergirl, this was a good episode, too, where this was mostly like a Brainiac 5 episode. Um, it's nice to see. And I feel like Je- Jesse Rath did a good, a very good job, not just with the different alternate Earth versions of, of Brainiac 5, but when he takes off the little personality inhibitors there, his whole bearing Look. and manner mm-hmm. in which he's performing the character, this sort of affected speech pattern and enunciation that he's used as a character becomes a lot more natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he's feels more... He got a lot of exercise in this episode too because he got to play all these multiple versions of himself. Sure, but he's always had that this, he's fun, always had this but, very heightened, yeah. clipped, um, affected manner of delivering yes. Brainy's dialogue. Um, but here he, he's... Sounds much more smooth Fluid, yeah. and calm and calm. peaceful and yep. more self-possessed. And they get, you know, through retcons mostly, but they manage to get to the point where now it's a more classic looking version of Brainiac 5, mm-hmm. where he's got the green skin, not the sort of bluish silver skin. He's got the blonde hair. He's got kind of like a purplish outfit. Mm-hmm. And he's, but they still, through, you know, another plot contrivance, still manage to have the thing where he kind of has like three, three triangles, yeah. uh, uh, dots On. arranged in a triangular pattern, except now it's like, 
the the, the life force the orb. life orbs of the different versions of Brainiac that he just happened to arrange in a triangle on his chest, you know. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. he didn't arrange them, but anyway. Well, they gave them to him, and he kind of like decided where to where to fix them. Even I if don't you look, think so. No, they gave it to him, and they placed it on his chest. That was a plot point. Yeah, it's it's just coincidence it that it happens to yeah, form the, exactly. a triangular pattern. I suppose. I think yeah, I think it was maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, if you, look clo- deep if you look closely, if you look closely at the costume on the big screen, you can see that there was sure. like literally a hole for it right there on his costume already, <laughs> just waiting for it. Oh I'm not God. sure if that I'm not Whoops. sure if that's in the context of the show. If that's like oh that's that's like my USB port. Of course you're going to put it there. <laughs> or if that was just like. From a costuming well, well, perspective, they needed to be able to. Right. I feel like they could have digitally painted those holes they out could until. Have, yeah. So maybe it was Oops, supposed to I be missed. an in in universe thing. You caught something I did not. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, it was but a good. The shows e- were really good. It was a good episode. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'm really looking forward to. Um, so this week we get Black a- Arrow. Arrow, which is the backdoor pilot for I'm, the I'm future show. I'm curious about Black Lightning because Jennifer is still red in the ether. My prediction did not come true, by the way, if we're talking about predictions, um, that I, I was so sure that they were going to pull a fast one on us and that Jennifer was going to also make an appearance in uh, one of the crossover episodes. And I was wrong. Yeah, That's okay. That. But I am very curious as to her... her um, Huh, how they're going to save her butt because she was floating in between the realms. Well, I mean, they have and the possibility. And avoided the antimatter wave, which is crazy. They have a possibility to do kind of a reset, right? Like who, like you, you come back to Black Lightning yes, and maybe things are completely different like now. Like a complete thing. Because Isn't that, this is something you were telling me off mic, is that um, the showrunners were encouraged to do a hard reset. Well, yeah. They, they're like, take, take bold often, risks or how often, flush like, something never, You're never going to get this chance again. Right. So, so be bold. Come up with like interesting creative decisions. If there's something you feel like you know isn't working on undone, your show, this is your it. perfect opportunity to undo it. If there's like a character that you wish you hadn't killed, this is the perfect opportunity to bring them back. If there's a, a status quo, you're like, oh, we 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 always wished like these two characters could have been in a relationship, or or these two characters had never been in a relationship, or this character, ha- you know, never we wish we hadn't had this character reveal their secret identity to the world or whatever, or they be can, secretly evil or something they can like just, that. Yeah. They can just do that, and mm-hmm. this is no explanation required. Obviously, you don't want to go overboard with that because then you kind of feel like you lose the audience because now you feel like they're not watching the same show they're not watching the same characters anymore mm-hmm. they 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 have it they very smartly got around that a little bit by having jean go around and basically everybody that's a main cast member on all the shows now remembers the way things used to be right so at least we the audience have the same shared experience with the characters even yeah, if all the, the majority random of the people yeah. on those earths mm-hmm. remember differently it's now, no, unlike in the comics, it's now no longer a case where we don't know what this character, because every time they do a reset, you're like, okay, great. What's this? What's Superman's origin yeah. now? What what villains did he fight? You know, like, what's his relationship with Lex yeah. Luthor now? Is he married? Is his parents alive? We've got to start from zero again and figure all this stuff out. Yep. But at least now, we're on the same page with the characters we care about. You know what I mean? And they're yes. just, even, even when they're aware of these changes, um, at least they remember the way things used to be too, so that... We feel like there are seven years of watching these shows hasn't been wasted, and now we're like, this is not a hard reset. Basically, it's just yes. like a few things are different, just tweaked. It's like a, it's like Infinite Crisis more than Crisis on Infinite Earth, because believe it or not, these were two different stories. <laughs> well, in funny. one, they completely reset everything, basically, more right. or less everything, and everything was starting from zero, kind of right. like the New Fifty Two, Infinite Crisis. Everything continued, you know, as it was. You know, we picked up. And it was everything was the same except we we learned later that 
you know, the characters' origins were slightly different mm-hmm. or some of their past adventures had been different. But as far as the stories we were watching now, they all continued as they had been. Yeah. And then we, you know, they retroactively said, oh, it turns out, you know, this story is back in continuity or, you know, Superman was Superboy again after all or something like that. Yeah. But it didn't change the, what was happening right now. It's like just the road the characters took to get to the present was different, but we were still in the same present with right. them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's kind of the same thing here. We're we're rejoining all the stories that we were following before, but what what we what remains to be learned by us is how some of the events of the previous eight years exactly. now unfolded differently. Yeah. So I, I feel like that's a good way to do it. I remember um, you said that the showrunner got um, got heads up on what each show was going to do, or some major producer was got heads up on what each of the shows was planning to do, and when they read Batman's uh, pitch for what ba- they wanted Batwoman's. to do, Batwoman's pitch for what they yeah, wanted they to do, they said that they was, was like <laughs> pretty ballsy. Yeah, and I can only assume they're talking about the whole Beth showing up at the end thing because that completely upsets the status quo of the show in a way that I think even the whole Lex Luthor thing on Supergirl doesn't really. Because I mean, yeah, he could be dispatched in a few episodes and outed as a villain again or whatever, but having the whole Kate-Beth thing yeah. completely upended, that's like the central I think Brainy's arc is going to be show. incredibly interesting as well because he he broke up with Dreamer, which is really sad, but when you are trying to reacquaint yourself with yourself and redefine who you are, I imagine that that's probably the smart thing to right, do. Right, but a lot of that was a, was, was a lie, but, right? Like we yeah. can see him crying as he walks away, and it's yeah. because his, his other alternate earth version said that here's exactly the steps you need to follow you need to work with lex Luthor. you need to divest yourself of all your personal relationships yep. if you're going to be in a point to uh, place to, to save this earth save this earth from what's coming from Leviathan, and yeah. so he literally integrated all of her knowledge into himself so he mm-hmm. knows exactly what he has to do and he's just going through those motions now but it doesn't mean it's not hard for him yeah i think that's that true too. i think yes. that he he definitely would have stayed with her if it wasn't for that yeah, I agree. If they hadn't had that scene and if that, that hadn't been what had to happen. But right. he, he feels like he needs to work with Lex Luthor and completely devote himself to that. I thought that was really, that. really interesting too. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a very, very good arc to follow. Oh, man. That's great. And it makes Leviathan far more threatening than we were We were complaining about this in previous iterations, previous uh, discussions where we were like a Leviathan used to be this thing that was underground. It was ever-present. It was menacing because it was hidden because so few people even knew the name and yet they were... Uh, responsible for so many machinations and here it's it's like this old lady shows up and then somebody dies and then this other old guy shows up and then somebody dies and it's very yeah i mean it's still it's still not really like the comics because it's not like it's not the the sort of subtle takeover of all the intelligence agencies it's still like the the lady that showed up to talk to andrea is still the same woman yeah gamemne who was working with Mitch Peligi's character there, yes. so so it's still the same like ancient cult based Does around these Andrea Earth powers. Does Andrea have her powers in this Earth? That's a question. She, didn't she have to? No, she kept. Did she keep them? I don't remember. That, that, I don't remember. That's never been know. the most it's, interesting thread of the show for me. So I have trouble retaining sometimes what's going on with that whole aspect of things. But yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah it's yeah, a, these it's were a bunch good episodes. Yeah, yeah. And so next week we'll have. Um, boy, next week we're going to have not just the, <laughs> oh, not God. just the Doctor pilot episode of Arrow. Um, as well as Legends of Tomorrow and new episodes of, you know, Batwoman and Supergirl and, and Picard. all this stuff. We'll have the final episode of Star, Star Wars Resistance. Yes. And we'll have the first episode of Picard. Which will be a double-length episode in Star Wars Resistance, right? Yes. Yeah. And Picard, I'm and assuming, Picard. will just will be an yeah, hour. An hour you know. show. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, <laughs> buckle up. 
Okay, so if you want to reach out to the show, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our Twitter handle is at smartspodcast. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And our website is www.smartspodcast.com. How about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. How about... Batarang. Ooh. Yeah.